0: As a youth pastor, uh, we would gather each youth night uh, for pre-service prayer. And we would uh, service started at 7.15. I'd call all the students together at 7. And we would gather from 6.30 to 7 uh, to pray for the service, uh, to pray for the lost. And and we, we would always be asking students to come and participate. You know, like, hey, come on, we're going to pray. Do you want to stop, you know, playing basketball and come and uh, pray for a while with us? And inevitably, I'd have students say, well, maybe uh, I don't have to pray in front of anyone, do I? You know, it's a very teenager thing to ask. But when you think about it, it's really kind of a human thing to ask. Uh, And sometimes I'd ask them back, well, why don't you want to? What is it about praying in front of people that intimidates you? And every once in a while, I'd get the answer, I don't really know how to pray. And, and prayer, you know, really is the most complicated, uncomplicated thing ever. Uh, at its most basic, prayer is just having a conversation with God. It's really straightforward. But we add so many layers and we add so much expectation on top of it that it can become intimidating, can it? And so prayer has become something that, For many is this intimidating thing that whether you're praying in front of people or whether you're just praying by yourself and just talking to God, sometimes we get intimidated by this whole concept of prayer. Even the disciples had questions about prayer. In Luke 11, they went to Jesus and they straight up asked him in Luke 11 verse 1, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So they're like, Jesus, come on, teach us. Let us know how we're supposed to pray. And Jesus responds with what we know today as the Lord's Prayer. Now, why has this prayer been repeated billions of times throughout history? Why is it one of the most memorized passages of scripture in the entire Bible? Uh, why is the Lord's Prayer so Important. Here's the thing. If the audience for our prayers, and that is Jesus, gives us instruction about how we should be praying, we need to pay attention. It's that simple. We pray to Jesus. And if He's the one who said, Here's how you should pray, this is something that we need to pay attention to. We need to be taking notice and we need to be responding in some way to that. So that's what we're going to be doing throughout this series. We're going to be walking through Jesus' roadmap for how we are supposed to pray. And we call that the Lord's Prayer. Because no matter where I've gone in all the world, from Eastern Europe as I spent time in in Ukraine to Latin America, and I've been to many countries throughout Central and South America— from inner city churches to rural farm town congregations, in every denomination that I've ever had the privilege of worshiping with, in every size of church, the Lord's Prayer has been common to all of them. It was it was super exciting for me to be in Ukraine, and obviously I don't speak Ukrainian nor Russian, and we've gathered in these different churches and... Uh, As they recite the Lord's Prayer, and I can recite it in English, and there's this commonality, there's this uniting factor that takes place that brings us together. It transcends language and culture and race and even preference. I mean, Christians love to, at its best, discuss or debate at its ugliest, argue and fight about doctrine, and to debate which style or theological nuance is right. But in the end, when we begin to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, our hearts join as one as we repeat these ancient words that resound with such incredible power. And I really believe the Lord's prayer is, it's part of the glue that holds the body of Christ together. It it does. It brings us together in this really incredible way. And for good reason, the Lord's Prayer is the roadmap that Jesus gave us for how we should pray. And no matter how long you have followed Jesus, prayer is not only an essential part of our faith story, it's a never-ending area of growth for each one of us. We should always be growing in our prayer lives. And every time I revisit the Lord's Prayer uh, for study a reflection, I discover something new, a new facet to my prayer life that God wants me to focus on and a different approach that I can take as I call out to God, a deeper connection God wants to have with me through this tool that he designed for us called prayer. And I want us to be known as a church that prays. I want Trilogy to be known as a church that prays. And even more than that, I want us to be known as a church who touches the heart of God with our prayers. That it's not just a ritual for us, it is is life for us. That things are different on the other side of our prayers. And, And we need to learn how to pray like Jesus taught us to pray if we're going to see results like he promised we would see. Now listen to that again. We need to learn how to pray like Jesus taught us to pray If we're going to see results like Jesus promised, we would see from our prayers. So let's jump into that today. And uh, we're going to be spending weeks on this as we we step through the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to unpack a ton of content from the Lord's Prayer itself. But today I kind of want to take an overarching look at things and and a couple of points of background to kind of kick things off. First of all, and it's very basic, the Lord's Prayer is mentioned two times in the Gospels. Uh, First in Matthew chapter 6 and then in Luke chapter 11. And the version in Matthew is a little longer uh, and is considered the traditional version of the Lord's Prayer uh, than what we read in uh, Luke chapter 11. The second thing I want you to know as some background here is Jesus used the Lord's Prayer as a guide or a pattern or a model for what Christian prayer is supposed to be all about. He didn't give it to us as an original to copy, but more as an inspiration for us to start from. Okay? It it is the answer to the question, what does prayer look like? It doesn't have to sound like the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't need to copy the words of the Lord's Prayer, but it should feel like the Lord's Prayer. I'll explain what I mean by that. You see, when Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer, he was showing us the heart of prayer, not giving us the words of prayer. When Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer, he was showing us the heart of prayer, not giving us the words of prayer. There's nothing at all wrong with reciting the Lord's Prayer. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, there's a uniting that takes place when we join our hearts together and we pray it out loud together as we pray the Lord's Prayer. But there's nothing required in that either. Many church traditions carry that as part of their church tradition, uh, as part of uh, their liturgy for some of our liturgical churches, even uh, you know, more uh, evangelical churches uh, use the Lord's prayer regularly as a part of their worship experience. So there, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's something powerful about that at times, but there's nothing required in scripture uh, for praying that prayer either. So with that as background, we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to look today. And we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We find this falling right in the middle chapter here. And in this section, Jesus is talking with his disciples about true and false giving, true and false praying, and true and false fasting. He's like, hey, these spiritual disciplines of giving, praying, and fasting... Uh, this is what they look like when they're done right, and this is what they look like when they're done not so right. And when Jesus got to the subject of prayer, he said there is a false kind of prayer, which is praying just to be heard by men, by those around us. And then there is a true kind of prayer, uh, which is going into your prayer closet and praying to your Father in secret from your heart. And then he gives us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. And this is what Jesus said. Pray like this. Just comes flat out and say it. Pray like this. Now note, it doesn't say, pray this prayer. He said, pray like this. Pray this kind of prayer. Pray in in this vein, in, in this light. You need to pray something that has this type of feel to it, okay? And then he begins, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, that was hard for some of you because that wasn't the real Lord's Prayer, right? I mean, that that was, in other words, it's not the same Bible translation that you memorized the Lord's Prayer in. But let me reiterate, it is the heart of the Lord's Prayer that matters and not the words themselves. Now, obviously, there is a traditional version of the Lord's Prayer that we recite corporately, when we're gathered together, when you're at some uh, public church gathering event and they pray the Lord's Prayer, we pretty much always use the same version of the Lord's Prayer for that. And I wa- But I want you to notice a few things as we look at the prayer as a whole today. Over the next few weeks, we're going to break down some individual portions of the prayer. Um, but today we're looking at it as a whole. And the first thing I want you to uh, see is I want you to notice how simple this prayer is. There's no long words, no strange theological expressions, no obscure phrases. There's not even any genealogies. I mean, it is so, so simple and straightforward. And I think that is part of the allure. That's part of the reason that Christians have gravitated towards this prayer for 2,000 years is because of its simplicity. Secondly, notice how brief it is. Notice how brief it is. There are too many long-winded Christians who think that the more words they use, the more likely it is God will hear their prayer. Now, please don't hear me wrong. There is nothing wrong with spending a significant length of time in prayer. Nothing wrong with that. But nothing required in Scripture that says, well, your prayer has to be X number of words or X number of minutes before God will consider your request. Uh, the Lord's Prayer that we just read contains only 73 words and it takes under a minute to say. It's hard to be more brief or simple than, may your kingdom come soon or may your will be done. It is short and to the point, And I think there's both a learning and there's a freedom in that. Part of the reason people struggle with prayer is that we tend to overcomplicate it. A genuine heartfelt prayer can be as simple as, jesus i need help that's a great prayer to pray third thing is i want you to notice how comprehensive it is okay the lord's prayer is comprehensive everything that you would ever want to pray about is represented here in the lord's prayer everything it's all in there god is in this prayer We are in this prayer, the past is in this prayer, the present is in this prayer, the future is here, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all in this prayer. Everything is here. Let me share a simple outline for you on the Lord's Prayer just to understand just kind of how this all fits together. The first half of the prayer talks about God, His name, His kingdom, His will. The second half of this prayer talks about man. It talks about us. Give us, forgive us, lead us. So God and man form the two different subjects of this prayer. So let's look again at the second half of the prayer. You've got the past, forgive us our sins. You've got the present, give us today. And you've got the future, don't let us yield to temptation. So you're dealing with all phases of our lives. And notice how the Trinity itself is built into this prayer. Give us today our daily bread, the Father's provision. Forgive us our sins. Jesus won our freedom from sin. And lead us not into temptation. And the Holy Spirit guides and protects us uh, as we go through temptation in this life. And so before we jump into the prayer itself, which we'll do in great detail starting next Sunday, let's take a moment to ask and talk about a question that a lot of people, it causes a lot of people to scratch their heads. And that is, if God is sovereign and God knows everything, why do I need to pray? What's the point? I mean, God knows everything. He's going to know what I'm going to pray before I even pray, right? So why do I need to do this? And I think all of us have wondered that at one time or another, right? And so let's tackle that one today. As we deal with prayer, it's such a critical issue. I really want to touch on this with the rest of our time together today. And the next week we jump headfirst into the first line of the Lord's Prayer. But if we're going to spend a bunch of time talking about prayer, I think we need to establish why prayer is important up front. So I want to go quickly through five biblical truths to keep in mind that will help us as we kind of frame an answer to this question. And the first thing is that God knows all things. God knows all things. We call this aspect of God's character His omniscience. It means omni. Uh, omniscience means all knowing. It means that because God is God, He knows everything that could be known, both past, present, and future, and He knows all of them at the same. Time, from our frame of reference. You see, God exists outside of time. He created time. He created our reality. So for him, all of our times simply are. Time simply is for him. And that means that God is never surprised and he never learns anything new. The second biblical truth is that God has committed himself to provide for his people. God has committed himself to provide for his people. God wants to provide for us, and he said that he would, and he will provide what we need. Philippians 4.19 tells us this, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. That is a promise from God's word. And when we pray, give us today the food we need, We're praying to a God who has promised to give us every single thing we need precisely when we need it. I want you to understand, God is never late. God never shows up late. God brings us what we need when we need it. The entire Bible teaches us that God is the great provider, which is why one of the names given to God uh, by the Hebrews is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. So God is our provider. The third thing I want you to see, uh, third biblical truth that I want us to talk about today is that God has invited us to bring our needs to him. God has invited us to bring our needs to him. And God tells us to not be shy about it either. This is not a, you know, beat around the bush and, and maybe God, if, if, if you, if you think about it, if you're okay with this, you know, I hesitate to even bring this up, uh, But in Matthew 7, 7 to 8, listen to how Jesus describes this. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I mean, this sounds like uh, one of my kids, you know, coming to me asking for more video game time. They just are persistent, right? They don't give up. They just keep coming at you. And that's what Jesus describes how we should be in bringing our needs to God. We are to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep going. Don't bring it one time and then call it quits. We are to continue persistently to bring our needs to God. This is where prayer gets personal, church. God, who already knows what we need, invites us to bring our needs to him in prayer. The fourth biblical truth, we don't know what we really need, okay? We think we do, but we don't. We probably have a good idea what some of our needs are, but not all of them, and we definitely have a good idea of how we want our prayer answered, but we don't know what the best way is. That's a hard truth right there because we come to God and we've got an agenda, right? We know how we want God to answer our prayer, but God sees the big picture. God sees way bigger than we see. You see, our perspective is limited by our own experience, by our own desires, and by our limited knowledge. And God's going to bring the answer that he knows is best for our circumstances and for the need that we're bringing to him. Paul reminds us in Romans eight twenty-six, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. <laughs> we don't know what we should pray for, Paul says. Uh, yeah, that's a truth bomb right there. How many times have you been faced with a situation, you've been faced with a circumstance and you're like, I don't even know what to pray. I don't know what the right outcome would be. I don't know what direction I'm supposed to take this. I have no idea how I should be praying for this. That's why the most basic prayer is always, God, let your will be done. Uh, And God knew that there would be times where we would be confused in prayer and those times would be often. Uh, And that's one of the things that makes the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit so incredible. Uh, When Jesus went back to heaven, Now, right before he went back to heaven, he told his followers to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit was poured out. And then on the day of Pentecost, uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out and they changed the world. Uh, The power of the Holy Spirit is given to us. It was the gift that Jesus promised. It's given to us to witness, uh, to live pure and holy lives and to pray. And one of the gifts that God gives us when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a a prayer language uh, where the Holy Spirit prays through us in a spiritual language that is unknown to us. And I pray in my prayer language every single day. It's a regular part of my prayer life and you should as well. Why? Because when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us. How perfect and how powerful is that? That God gives us the perfect prayers to pray and our spirit cries out to him without our mind and our will getting in the way. Because let me tell you, my mind and my will sometimes are not always in perfect alignment with who God is and where he wants to lead me. And if you have never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I'd love to talk to you more about that and even pray with you to receive this incredible gift from God that the Bible tells us about. I don't have time to fully unpack that today, but it's something that Jesus said, I want you to have. And in my mind, if Jesus says, I want you to have this gift, man, let me unwrap it now. I want that gift. Uh, Fifth biblical truth, God knows what we need before we ask him. God knows what we need before we ask him. It's pretty straightforward in scripture. In fact, right before we jumped into Matthew 6, 9, uh, the verse right before in Matthew 6, 8, Jesus said, don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Now, what that means is we don't have to impress God or use big words or pray long prayers. We don't have to repeat ourselves when we pray and we don't have to worry about getting all the details right or using impressive flowery language. God knows already even better than we do. When you pray, you are not informing God of anything. When you pray, you are not informing God. You're not waking him up and saying, hey God, hey, you know, you've been checked out for a while but I wanted to bring your attention to. No, God knows. He knew your need before you bowed your head. So that brings us back to the original question here. If God knows everything before we pray and he wants to provide for us anyway, why do we need to go through the motions of praying at all? Isn't it just a waste of time if that's true? So here are my thoughts on it this morning. God doesn't need our prayers in order to gather accurate information so he can take action. Like we just talked about, we're not informing God of anything when we pray. Here it is, guys. Now pay attention to this. God doesn't need our prayers, but we need to pray. God doesn't need our prayers, but we need to pray. And if you get nothing else out of this message this morning, take that to heart, please. You need to pray. Prayer changes things, yes, but more importantly, prayer changes you. Prayer changes me. Prayer changes the follower of Jesus when they call out to him and they spend time with him and they ask for him to help and they they reach out to him in prayer. Prayer transforms us. It changes us. When we pray, we're expressing our complete dependence on God. We pray to build our faith. We pray because he is God and we are not. And prayer is a great reminder of that. We pray because God has ordained that our prayers are part of his unfolding perfect will. Our prayers are part of that. God invites us to join with him in this great adventure of advancing the gospel through the entire world. And we join with him through our prayers. We partner with God when we pray. That's why we can say that some things happen when we pray that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't prayed. You see, every prayer is the cry of one of his children saying, help, Father, because I can't do this by myself. Would you help me? Because I can't do it. And that's something we all need to be reminded of often. We can't make this on our own. We're not... We're not God. James 5 gives us another wonderful example of the power of prayer. Elijah prayed that it would not rain in the Old Testament. And for three and a half years, there was no rain in Israel. Think about that. Elijah prayed, and this was part of God's plan uh, to teach them a lesson, to teach the king a lesson. For three and a half years, there was no rain in Israel. He prayed again, and the rains fell from heaven. That's some serious power in your prayer. Here's the moral of the story that James tells us in James 5.16. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, I could preach a whole sermon just on that verse about what each one of those words mean, but the earnest prayer, earnest prayers get God's attention because they come from a heart that believes that God is able. You can shout or you can whisper, you can stand, you can sit or you can kneel, you can pray for one minute or you can pray for one hour. None of these influence the heart of God when we pray. Your position, your wording, your posture, your duration, none of these influence God. It's not the words that matter or the length of the prayer or the tone of your voice or whether you stand or kneel or sit. The difference in prayer that causes prayer to make a difference is faith. It's belief. It's sincerity. It's being earnest. And some of you may have fallen into a repetitive, boring life of prayer. It's the kind of prayers that Jesus condemned the Pharisees for. Vain repetition is what he called them. You go through the motions, you fulfill your obligation, you check the box, and you move on with the rest of your day. That kind of prayer will never change your circumstances because that kind of prayer will never change you. That boring, just kind of going through the motions prayer is not going to transform you. A heartfelt prayer is going to move the heart of God. A heartfelt prayer is going to move the heart of God. If your prayer life has become stale and I've had plenty of seasons of my life where my prayer times had just gotten routine, they'd gotten mundane, they'd gotten boring and I needed to change things up in order to really revitalize my prayer life. And so I began to start praying about prayer and asking God to change that. Um, But, If if your prayer life has become stale, start praying about things that you are passionate about. Start praying about things that move your heart. Start praying about things that are important to you. And then as a part of those prayers, begin asking God to move your heart with the things that move his. Because that is when prayer becomes supercharged. When our heart is aligned with his and the things that move us are the things that move him. Psalms tells us that he will do that for us as we spend time with him. Listen to what Psalm 37 verse 4 says. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. God will transition, transform, metamorphosize your heart and implant his desires in there. He will give you those desires so that your heart lines up with his. I want to know the heart of God. I want my heart to beat in time with his. I wanna have desires that are aligned with his, why? Because of the first rule of spiritual life. Here it is, the first rule of spiritual life. He's God, I'm not. That's, that's rule number one, guys. You gotta get that one down. In our house, our families, rule number one, all my kids could tell you, rule number one is this, Don't mess with a happy baby, okay? That's rule number one in our house. Um, But the first rule of spiritual life, he's God, I'm not. All prayer really is based on that one simple truth. He runs the universe and I'm just a part of it. And here's a crucial application of that truth. When we don't pray, it's because we've forgotten who's God and who's not. When we don't pray, we have forgotten who's God and who's not. A lack of prayer means we're still trying to run the show. We think we can make it on our own. It's a sign that we've decided we can handle things. Prayer changes things. I believe that with all of my heart. And the first and most important thing prayer changes is me. Me. Prayer changes us. It teaches us to depend completely on God, reminds us that he is God and we are not. Why pray if God knows everything in advance? Because God has ordained that your prayers are part of his plan for the universe. And more importantly, they're a part of his plans for you. In fact, I would contend that prayer is the most important important facet of your faith journey with regard to growing up and maturing in your faith in Christ prayer is part of God's plans to shape you to grow you to teach you to depend on him our prayers absolutely matter to God they are not superfluous in any way it's not that God needs our prayers he doesn't he doesn't need anything But in his grace, he has invited us to join him in the great adventure of bringing his kingdom to this sinful world. Through our prayers, we partner with God in changing the world. And that's why I believe so strongly in praying together as a church family on a regular basis. We need to pray for the same reason that you need to pray on your own. God changes trilogy when trilogy prays together. Just yesterday, we had our... uh, Corporate prayer time, Uh, we do this, uh, we're praying together the first and the third Saturdays of the month at 9 a.m. Every first and third Saturday at 9 a.m., we are gathering as a church family to pray. And so come join us as we seek God together for our community, for our church, and for one another. It is a critical component of the growth of our church. And I'm not talking about numeric growth. I'm talking about spiritual growth of Trilogy as we align our church with the heart of God. So important that we gather together for prayer. So begin to prioritize that time. The first and the third Saturday of the month from nine to 10, uh, we're gathering in person uh, at the, the, either one of our church houses at the Perino's or at the Giddens. All that information will be in the app uh, on the calendar. Um, but come and join us for that. And if you can't make it, if you can't get out and come to join us, just take that time and pray. Know that we're praying. And partner with us in prayer during that time. Let's wrap up this message this morning with a very simple theology of prayer. Our part in prayer is to pray earnestly, sincerely, and regularly. Bringing our deepest concerns to the Lord. God's part is to listen to our prayers and in his grace to answer them in his own timing, in his own way, and according to his will. If we do our part, God cannot fail to do his. And that's how I want us to approach this series as we dive deeper into the Lord's Prayer. We've come with humility, and we say along with the first disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what we're going to learn for the next uh, however many weeks. I'm not sure how long we're going to go. It's going to be a good season, though, that we spend in the Lord's Prayer. And through prayer, we journey from wherever we are on earth To the very heart of god we take that journey when we pray the lord invites us to come into his throne room at any time and all the time guys the king of kings the creator of all that is wants to hear from you let's not keep him waiting any longer let's pray together this morning god we thank you for this time that we've had to talk about the lord's prayer to talk about prayer a little bit just in general today and God I pray that you would instill in us hearts that truly want to pray that we you you birth in us a desire not that it's not still a discipline and we don't have to to you know have that real strong drive to do it but God you would uh just birth in us a passion and a desire and a hunger for prayer God, we acknowledge that without you, we can do nothing. You are God and we are not. And Lord, I ask that you would reinforce that through our prayers. Because God, even our prayers are ineffective without your help. We ask that you would empower our prayer lives. God, as individuals, as we get alone with you and we pray, God, would you make those prayer times come alive and and instill your values in us and align our hearts with yours? But God, as a church family, when we gather together those first and third Saturdays, God, would you make that time come alive? God, empower those times. Fill those room, fill those, that room with your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you would help us to touch your heart with our prayers and change our church through those times that we gather together. God, let this study of the Lord's Prayer be more than just an intellectual exercise. But God, set our hearts on fire with a fresh desire to know you. We thank you for this time we've had together. Help us to apply this this week and pray, God, maybe for some in ways that they've never prayed before or just haven't in a long time. God, we want to know you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.